Okay. Nice. <laughs> you're not from Manchester. You're not. You're not from round here. <laughs> I, no, if if, if there was if there was a position available at the uni for man wearing straw hat and holding a shotgun to constantly tell people that they're not from round here, I would love that job. You're not from round here. Yeah, but it's only it's only for people from other universities, and that's it. It's yes. more. We'll have to create a badge system. Yes. Or you wear the crest of your university on your body somewhere. Or you're branded in some way. You know, either, either or. Forehead round. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's been a nice, nice little, nice little in-between. Uh, nice little compromise. <laughs> anyway, should we start this episode? Start the episode. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everybody, to this last podcast in the series where we're going to be interviewing someone from not the University of Manchester. So that's different. Yeah, already already at the bottom of the barrel, some might say. Whoa, whoa. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This on Chandy. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's all in jest. I'm just joshing you. Anyway, this is three PhDs in a pod, and basically each week we interview a PhD or a postdoc about their life, how they got into science, what they're currently doing, and how they got there. But before we do that, we always do a little bit of a preamble where me and Josh talk about what we've been up to, uh, especially because we don't actually talk that much in the week, and it's nice for us to catch up. Yeah, so Josh, yeah. How you are you? They all have to listen to this. Um, yeah, this is just two friends talking. <laughs> oh, hand in hand. How oh. sweet. How uh, yes, you? yes, Jack, I'm good. I'm good. Been doing a lot of gaming this week. In my, ooh, ooh, gaming. In my off time, yes. When you mentioned that a couple of weeks back, I was like, you know what? I should really get, I should really get back into gaming some more. So I'm like, I've started, I've started a new uh, game on PS4 called Horizon, if you've heard of it. Horizon. Really Yes, yes, exactly that one. The one with all the weird robot dinosaur horses. Giraffes. And giraffes and whatnot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm still playing that game. Still, uh, it's really distracting because I'm playing it going, how, just how did it get to this point? I'm just, it's, it, I, I haven't quite accepted it yet. <laughs> You're not, you've not suspended your disbelief yet. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be suspended pretty high, though. Pretty high. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been playing that. Still a great game, though. I'd highly recommend it. If it looks very pretty, and it, I like the idea of using the bow and arrow. It's really pretty. It's really pretty, but um, some of the character models are a little derpy. So <laughs> it's fun. It's fun when you're like in conversation with people, and someone makes an expression that you've never seen on a living thing. <laughs> um, so like, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun to watch. And like me and my girlfriend, my, my girlfriend watches me play these games because um, she enjoys watching. And so like, I am playing in front of her, and we're both just laughing at some of the faces that are being made in front of us. Um, and also the fact you can tell that it's written by people who, um, what well, English isn't their first language. Mm. So there's like some weird turns of phrase which you could apply to like some weird sort of ultra future to where this is just how language is or it's just how dutch people speak english <laughs> so either or. <laughs> either, but, uh, or. either or but yeah it's um it's it's a fun game it's a fun game I to be fair i will say the dutch have some great turns of phrase i uh, do they can you give me some examples i am now going to pause this will be edited out <laughs> um, 
Because as I Google Dutch turns of phrase. How did you not bring Dutch turns of phrase to the podcast, Jack, if you knew we were talking about this? I mean, this is all scripted. That's what they don't know. So <laughs> <We're> just... <laughs> I'm not actually Googling things. I've got it written right in front of me. That's fine. Oh, yeah, you write every single one down. <laughs> yep, every single word. That's fine. We can just cut this out. Cut this out, maybe. <laughs> as if an angel is peeing on your tongue. Ah. What does that mean? Is it sort of uh, like... It's meaning like, someone it's, who's it's... really enjoying their meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Now the monkey comes out of the sleeve. Is it like a surprise? Is that what that it's means? It's similar to the English expression to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, okay. That's the moment right. that a hidden motive or the truth behind something is revealed. <laughs> and your final one. Do you know what they call their mother-in-law? No. The Schoenmurder. The clean mother. <laughs> right. I'm still confused. Clean mother? It refers to your, like, beloved, your beloved mother-in-law. Your clean, <laughs> your clean mother. Not your normal mother, your clean mother. Your clean mother. <laughs> yes. Um, how, let's, let's move on. Um, how are you doing, Jack? How's your week been? Can you not tell? <laughs> that you're slowly losing your mind. Maybe. I didn't realise until I started talking to you, but clearly. Um, yeah, no, oh, no I'm alright. No, no, it's, it was honestly, you didn't realise until we started recording. <laughs> no, it, that is true. It might be the heat. The heat's making me go insane. The heat, the heat is bad today. The heat is bad. If listeners, if listeners um, are listening past, past the time of recording, which I'm pretty sure is rather possible. Um, but, yeah. It's 25 degrees today in Manchester, and I'm currently dying. So. 28 degrees where I live in Cheshire. Oh my god. I know. The, the, the Mediterranean. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the, the people who listen to this from Australia and other parts of the world are currently laughing at us. Yes, yes. But that's, that's, that's the, one of the perks of living in the UK is that, is that you get to experience all weather and how horrible it is. <laughs> but mostly rain. Mostly rain. <laughs> that's okay. We enjoy rain. Gives you something to talk about. It does. It does. Possibly not on a podcast, but yes. Um, no, let's talk about the weather. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. No, I've not been bad. I've been like gaming, as, as as you said, you know, and, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, still been plugging away at Shadow of War. Ah, uh, yes. Um, it's rather yeah. long, isn't it, Shadow of War? I believe. It is quite a long game. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've been playing it for quite a few hours now, and uh-huh. I've only just unlocked like one of the main mechanics. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that's that's cool. There's the same with with Horizon as well. I was playing it for around five hours, and then and then it's like, oh yes, you gain the you gain this certain ability, which is like the rest of the game. <laughs> but, well, that's a bit like Pokemon Snap, by the way. Pokemon, Pokemon? Snap's coming back. Coming back. Oh yes, I heard. I literally, heard the best game in the world ever. <laughs> I've heard and it's very relaxing to play. It's oh, you've never played Pokemon Snap then. The stress you feel, the stress you feel when you're trying to throw an apple to hit a Magikarp, which is jumping in the air to knock it through into a different pool, so it evolves into a Gyarados. So the Gyarados comes through the waterfall, so you can take a photo of it. Trust me, that is stressful because you got one chance with that. If you don't get it, you've sailed past. No more, no more chances for you. Uh huh. Yeah. It's got, uh, or if you don't, if you don't throw enough apples at um, the Magnemite to evolve it into a Magneton, then that's not going to happen, and that's right at the end of the level. So you've got to keep, you've got to keep your attention right on that game. 
I poured a lot of my childhood into this game. It sounds like you just introduced more stress into your life by playing this game. No, it's an amazing game. It is, <laughs> it is so good. I love it so much. Okay, I'd never heard of it until this week when I found out it was being re-released, and I was like, what? <laughs> I had it on the um, Nintendo 64, I think, and then I bought it on the Wii. So I haven't played this game in like 10 years, but I still remember these things so clearly. Yeah, well, it's coming back to Switch, isn't it? It is, which means I'm going to need to buy a Switch. (laughs) I knew knew it would be a Pokemon game that would get me. I just didn't think it would be Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. To someone who's actually going to say something interesting um, in the interview. (laughs) Um, To be fair, she's very, very interesting. She is very interesting. She's had a really interesting uh, career so far. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, so uh, Chandy, she works on structural health uh, and dynamics. She'll tell you more about that. I don't fully understand it, even though she's told me about it a million times. I'm really <laughs> sorry, Chandy, when you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she comes from the University of Sheffield, uh, their, big chemi- uh, their big engineering department. She did a degree in aerospace with a placement in nuclear science. And um, she's now working on trying to improve, trying to, I think, spot the failure of uh, buildings, effectively, in, in real layman's terms. But she'll explain it much better than me. Yes, much better, much better layman's terms than we are. Um, <laughs> but yeah. well, we are the ultimate laymen. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, and also another interesting part about this interview is that she's done an NGD yes. rather than a PhD. So, uh, yeah, and this... we do actually, we talk about that um, because it's, it's really interesting for us doing PhDs to see the difference between a PhD and an NGD. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, although the title of the podcast is rather null and void for this particular episode, but hey ho. <laughs> well, she, look, she can still call herself Doctor. She can, she can, but it's not three doctors in a pod, is it, Jack? <laughs> it's not three. It's three PhDs. Okay, it's two PhDs and an NGD. I'll rename the podcast just for this episode. <laughs> yeah, just change the. I'll, I'll get a new logo to you by the end of the day, uh, <laughs> so that we can then use it and then replace it again. <laughs> One 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 of the one of the peas just has a building in it. Um, <laughs> anyway, we really thank you very much for your support for listening uh, to the for the whole series, and we'll hopefully catch you in series two, series depending on how two, well yeah. this goes. Already yeah. got some really interesting people lined up. Yeah, yeah, it should should be great. Season two should even be even bigger and better. Bigger and better than ever. Always. So, yeah. Yeah, even though that's forwards, quite... not backwards. <laughs> Upwards, not forward, and always twirling, 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 twirling. <laughs> One of the greatest quotes of all time. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, let's. Uh, yes, have fun listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. We really enjoyed recording it, and we'll catch you in series two. See you guys. Bye. Welcome, Chandy, to the podcast. Thank you very, very much for agreeing to come and talk to us. Um, Can you firstly just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what you currently do? Okay, so I'm Chandula Tamari Wikramarachi. Um, I have probably the longest name in our research group. Um, (laughs) I I am currently a postdoc uh, in Sheffield in the Mechanical Engineering Department. Uh, working with the Dynamics Research Group. And uh, basically as a group, we look at sort of structural dynamics um, and uh, structural health monitoring. 
Uh, so I'm kind of in this subgroup called structural health monitoring. And at the moment, um, we're looking into population-based structural health monitoring. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole long-winded project, but basically what we're doing is um, looking into sort of different structures, different civil structures, and trying to um, predict damage on them so that we can basically maintain, maintain them without having to um, wait until they break, uh, because sometimes sort of offshore civil structures can be quite, high, uh, quite expensive to repair. So I'm basically working on a project with Siemens Gamesa um, and Orsted and University of Hull and University of um, Durham um, to basically uh, come up with a way to do this population-based health monitoring stuff on wind turbines. Cool. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, so as you said, structural health is about determining the health of structures, not the health of people. No, so health of, health of oh, okay. structures, um, mainly looking at sort of their dynamics. dynamics so how, how, what's, the, what's the biggest likelihood of a wind farm failing? So the blades um, are quite sort of likely to be damaged. So basically all structures fail, right? They're, they're, you know, they're not designed to last forever, but um, you have sort of bird strikes sometimes on the blades, which can damage them. Uh, you can have um, sort of lightning strikes and that kind of thing. Uh, and a lot of the time, actually, with wind turbines, um, it, the damage really comes from the uh, manufacturing stage. So most of them are made um, with like composites and uh, they can be, yeah, so damage can be introduced. So what's a, what's a composite? Uh, so in this, uh, they normally use uh, like carbon fiber and stuff for, for the blades. And like glass, or sorry, not a carbon fiber, glass fiber um, in, the, in the actual blade. So they basically lay like these um, basically sheets of glass fiber and then with some resin. And then you basically let that harden. So that's a composite in this situation. Hmm. Cool. So do you also look at the corrosion of structures or is it just kind of a mechanical breaking? Uh, they do in so there's there's different there's different ways of man, 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 maintaining and man, um, sort of uh, like checking the health of structures. So you have two different um, sort of methods. One is predictive maintenance, and one of them is preventative maintenance. And in preventative, you basically check corrosion, and you have like reports where you go every so often to um, like in every few months or something where it's scheduled maintenance. Uh, and that happens, that tends to happen in bridges. There's not so much in wind turbines, because especially the offshore wind, wind turbines, because they're quite hard to go and maintain. Uh, but in bridges and that yeah. kind of thing, yeah, this is this whole preventative thing. But what we're trying to do is predictive maintenance, because preventative maintenance is usually quite expensive, whereas predictive uh, maintenance, you basically put sensors in, the, in your structure, and then you kind of, um, kind of monitor those signals. And then you try and find patterns in those signals um, and then use machine learning to try and predict when a, when air structure might fail before it actually does. So cool. that's the whole idea of the, uh, this kind of work. So we don't really ch- look at corrosion until you kind of get to the point where mm. you have flagged up damage from your signals. Then you go and have a look and then you might then find the label of damage is what we call it, which might be corrosion. So it's almost like the cause. You you go and say, okay, what is this yeah, damage? Exactly. As yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, you are yeah. just trying to predict damage in general. 
Yeah, but then you'll have, because then you'll actually try and figure out what kind of damage it is. So then you'll have more of an idea of like the physics behind the damage and that could be sort of like corrosion or something like that. Cool. So I'm going to ask you a, what I know is a big question, okay. but when it's not the subject of this podcast, so don't go into, into in too much detail, but what is machine learning? Machine learning, okay. <laughs> it's basically... <laughs> I it. it's a big it's a big topic it's quite a popular topic at the moment um and the main the main goal in machine learning is to predict um or to detect basically um so you can there's there's different ways of doing it so i think the best way to explain it is like i'll give you two different ways of doing it it's just supervised learning and unsupervised learning and in supervised learning, what you might do is you'll collect some data and then you'll try and um, get labels from your data as well. So say you wanted to uh, figure out uh, maybe handwriting patterns of people from, for like yeah. Google or something. You will look at the data um, that, you know, from people like who's written, written something and then you use that information to train an algorithm to be able to predict when the next time you write a two, if it's a two or a three, from learning from what you already have from people's handwriting samples. And then unsupervised uh, learning is when you kind of have, uh, when you don't really have any information that you put into your algorithm, you just basically algorithms look at the data and go, okay, this data kind of looks similar, so I'm going to put it in one group and then this data looks different so i'm going to put it in another group and we normally call them clusters and um hopefully with the, all the kind of metrics that you use in your algorithm your clusters will be different enough that you can say okay pretty much every single thing in this cluster looks like a two whereas in this cluster it looks like a three so that's how you separate it so that's like a very generic generic overview of what machine learning kind of does <laughs> cool yeah, I th I th that makes sense to me, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. I've never had someone explain it before, so it's kind of nice to... It's a good example. <laughs> yeah. that, well, that, that problem is a huge one in machine learning and something that we've not been able to crack mm. properly yet. So. Not, so, so the big thing of machine learning is, is handwriting and not whether there is a bus or a car or is, is there a tree in this photo oh well that is that's all <laughs> every time you click on a picture that said that is there a traffic light signal in here that's training some algorithm somewhere yeah oh no skynet i'm training skynet yeah, no, uh, no. Sorry. They, they need to target the buses more effectively so you <laughs> teach them what a bus looks like um, how to change the traffic signals to stop the buses <laughs> idea how many conference papers people have written about when is cat a cat and not a dog <laughs> <laughs> oh, i That's bet there's some great journal titles very hard. my supervisor i think oh actually i'm probably not allowed to talk about that i'll leave We'll get we'll get the scoop. We'll, you'll become a whistleblower. No, um, <laughs> we can we can we can bleep it out if you need to. We'll just have five minutes of just straight beeping. Uh, like he found he found the metric that means that cat is not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> just blow this thing wide open. No, um, so cool. That is quite a very specific form of research. Yes. So how did you get there? 
like uh, from from school say from you know oh, okay. all the way back <laughs> yeah just go all the way because like to start off with why science okay um so i don't know how it's so science i think i think it kind of became more of a um like a prominent thing uh when i was in secondary school um, mm. so i went to primary school in sri lanka and there like you basically have to just be good at everything otherwise <laughs> survive in the academic world in any mm. world but, um, but then when i came here it was just kind of I was always quite arty so i was kind of into my arts but in you know like asian backgrounds you kind of expected to kind of do a job that pays well so it was always going to be kind of more on more on the, you know, the business or the or the um the science side of mm. things but I never really liked medicine I never really liked sort of blood and that so I always thought maybe it'll be more um on the machinery side because I was always kind of a tomboy and then um in kind of in GCSEs I really enjoyed I did triple science uh and I was like luckily uh, relatively gifted at it not you know not super amazing but you know yeah. i did all right and then um and then i didn't really know what i wanted to do in sixth form or like in a levels but one yeah. um this person told me that civil engineers get to travel the world and kind of do cool cool maths and physics and um and they pay quite well and i thought oh but planes can fly so that's <laughs> cool. so i'll do engineering um instead so that's why i decided to go at university um, mm. And I did a five-year uh, aerospace degree with a year in industry, and I loved it. It was great. Um, I really, really fell in love with planes. It was um, amazing. Not, you know, not to the point where I could, where I could point out a plane and tell you what the model number is, but you mm. know, to the to, to to a certain extent, yeah, I loved planes. And then um, I did this course in um, no, sorry, I did my year out in uh, nuclear advanced manufacturing research centre. So I was uh, looking into nuclear energy. Uh, civil, sorry, civil nuclear energy, and um, and from there I basically, did, but they were that was in the machining group, uh, and they basically looked at sort of machining um, the components for nuclear power plants, and I just thought machining was really cool, and not, not a lot of people really do it because we've kind of outsourced machining to other parts of the world since um, since kind of the I think like the seventies, eighties. Yeah, so we're kind of trying to bring it back to this country. So we have high value manufacturing. And so there's these sort of cool businesses that pop up around the country where we look at really kind of um, looking at making like high, high value, high, high quality components for aerospace and nuclear and what have you. And um, I just thought it was really interesting. So I did my final year project on it. And then my supervisor basically mentioned that there's this thing called an NGD that you can do. On it, and my best friend was doing an NGD on a very similar thing, and he convinced me to do it, and I did it, and I absolutely loved it. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, machining has just been sort of machining and machine learning. Um, it's just kind of come from that, really. Cool. So, you mentioned when you were in secondary school yes. that you liked machines. Yes. That is a very specific term <laughs> to say about a secondary school. So, is that is that your future self talking talking back, or were you? At, what what kind of machines did you like in secondary school? I just, it's more like just uh, you know how things work. Yeah. Just kind of like car engines and that kind of thing. Like my dad, my dad was uh, my dad's an, well, he's an it's an electronic technician technically, but he, even though he'll call himself an engineer. Um, but he doesn't have a degree, and us engineers get very upset that it's not a protection.
Yeah, I was going to say, I can, I can sense a can of worms being opened there. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> not protected title in the country. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> um, he, uh, he repairs TVs and stuff. So mm. I've, like, I've always helped out with repairing TVs. And uh, modern day TVs are quite easy to repair because you just kind of replace boards. So I've always, like, helped him do that. I mean, I probably shouldn't have, and his company doesn't exist anymore, so I, I don't think he can get into trouble. Doing <laughs> 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 that to his clients and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so I used to um, go with them to kind of repair, like, uh, he sometimes did, like, washing machines and stuff, which are really yeah. cool, by the way. Uh, if mm. you've ever seen an inside of one, from, from, yeah, from the back. Um, so it's just, yeah, so there's always, like, that kind of interest. And um, I was kind of the tomboy. I have two sisters, and they're both kind of like not really into that kind of thing so my dad and I always just got along doing that kind of thing and I think it probably just came from that really yeah f- famil- familial love yes, kind of bonding exactly. over it yeah no I, yeah. I get it that's it's a, it's a strong reason and it's kind of yeah. a really nice thing same so was there a was there a sort of uh, more satisfaction when you got into your engineering career when you met more people who had the same interests yes. was it yeah. yeah it was really cool because I could tell my dad about stuff now that he didn't know which was amazing yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is how this works but also uh in the course actually it was it was crazy because like i mean i thought i loved planes but man people love planes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was quite it was quite cool to actually just kind of work with people who know their stuff but also i mean there's it's a really multidisciplinary subject so mm. we, we were working with we, we had modules from like computer science and automatic control systems and, and mechanical engineering, obviously. Um, so there's so much variety and so many different skills that you had to learn. And some people were just so good at some of it. Um, it was just, yeah, it was really exciting. It, I mean, it really mm-hmm. put, put my skill set into perspective very, very yeah. early on. And really yeah. Yeah, I, I know when I first started in chemistry, like in, I, I come from quite a small town. Um, as you both know uh, and so like going to high school it was like I, f- I felt like I really liked chemistry and chemistry was my thing you go to university and like oh no I'm just keen on chemistry yeah. there are some people who are really fond of it <laughs> people who live and breathe yeah mm. like it's really refreshing yeah, yeah no it's, it's it, that kind of being at university and being surrounded by that is kind of one of the one of the attractions of it yeah absolutely but also real, you, you realise that you really weren't the top dog that you thought you were at school. Yes. The, the reason why these topics are so hard is because people have to work really, really hard at it. Like the mm. maths and the science is just not what you thought, you know, in school. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. humbles you in a way, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So talking about university, you said you did a year out in nuclear science, which is, for me at least, a, a layperson in this topic, seems like quite a perpendicular move yes yeah i mean i'd love to say it was uh because i decided to choose nuclear mrc i love i mean i loved my time there but um i wasn't very successful at applying for uh, my placements um <laughs> so i'm just i don't know what it is i was once told i'm too honest in interviews <laughs> by my interviewer so maybe that had partly, partly to do with it um but yeah nuclear mrc um it was very new at the time and it's part of one of the catapults um, in, in this country. I don't know if you would know what a catapult is. I, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, so there's seven different um, engineering sort of groups, research groups in the country, one for automotive, one for aerospace, one for nuclear, and the, the list goes on to seven. Um, and they basically 
are the center of bringing this high value manufacturing back to the country. So, so most of them are associated with the university and nuclear MRC and the MRC, um, which is for aerospace. They're both part of the University of Sheffield um, Mechanical mm. Engineering Group. And um, basically they, um, they just, they did these like really cool things and like looking into like bringing nuclear, uh, nuclear energy back to, back to the UK. And I basically just got the job there. So I went um, and started there and it was kind of in the infancy of the group as well. So that was quite cool. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely, it was definitely like a move yeah, in the perpendicular direction. But for aerospace engineers, like it's actually quite common to go to different fields because we do okay. such a multidisciplinary subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the move isn't so, so jarring. So is there any link between, is, is it the science very much the same when you're thinking about like, you know, you talked about machining through aerospace Absolutely. and nuclear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, you, when you cut a metal, it doesn't matter what it's used for. I mean, it, it, yeah. it does to an extent because of like the finishes and everything, but you know, mm. the, the physics is the same. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, I think the, the main difference would have been working in the actual, um, like the core, the nuclear, um, like the actual nuclear materials itself. But because of the laws and regulations, we weren't, that part wasn't what we were in, um, involved with. So yeah. all the other bits, basically, yeah, you could use in um, different, different, I mean, the only difference is that these, these structures are massive. So the machines were, one of the machines were bigger than the flat I lived in at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that way with some analysis equipment, I know we use some microscopes that are the size of a room, like a big yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> you take up the whole thing and you're like, okay, this is, I don't feel like I should be using this. This is too <laughs> expensive for my pay grade. <laughs> the wrong button and then the whole thing explodes. It's like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I have, I have took the vacuum out of one of those microscopes by accident once. That was, that was, that was decommissioning it, decommissioning it for an afternoon, which was fun. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't make a big song and dance about that. Yeah. Yeah. You never told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time it's like a new toy to play with and someone's trusting me to play with this yeah you know? so that's yeah. also that's a fun part of it as well so yeah there is a fun side to these things yeah. <laughs> so the big question i suppose for me and i suppose josh is probably thinking of the same question um is oh yeah sure yeah yeah obviously <laughs> uh, which is an ngd what yes. what is an ngd and why is it different from a phd Okay, so an NGD stands for an engineering doctorate, and basically it's the uh, what we call TRL levels, technology readiness levels, um, and some people call them different things. But basically, um, in a PhD normally does like the ground level theoretical research where you might come up with like a new idea or like a new algorithm or a new like solution or something mm. um, that might work. And then normally the shelf life of a PhD is like 20 years before anyone can actually use it because it's so kind of, you know, groundbreaking. Whereas, mm. um, or you hope so anyway, whereas an NG... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> NGs tend to be um, to, uh, sponsored by industry. Now, I know some PhDs are as well, but NGs are sponsored by industry specifically to do a certain thing for that company. And you, it will be still like research based, and you still use theory, but you, it's more applications. 
And so it kind of sits in the middle of the techno technology readiness levels where it's not, it's not completely theoretical. It's not just kind of just, you know, doing something in a different way, like redesigning like something just so that it can be like more efficient. It's just kind of in the middle where you, it's something relatively new, but it's also very specific to like a certain. Mm. So is it, is it sort of a stage before it comes to like full on manufacture before you work out those processes? It's yeah, of... like a couple of stages before. Um, right. Okay. It, it really sits in the middle. I think. I see. Um, in my opinion, yeah. Okay. So it, it, to, to, to use a kind of an analogy, it's not redesigning the wheel on a bike, but it could be com completely redesigning the frame so that the bike works better. Yeah. So you might find like a new material that someone else has designed to build a frame uh, and then do all the maths and physics behind it to figure out if it will break or not. Mm. But it's not, yeah, it's not just kind of like, I'm gonna coat this bike in this color, and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool. it's so it's it's seeing whether something is feasible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, feasibility okay. is a big yeah big part. I, I'm I'm having a, a moment of relief because in a previous podcast I had I had kind of posited what a what an NGD was, and I don't think I was wrong. So <laughs> no. <for> you. <laughs> Yeah, this question is asked in my NGD interview, and I didn't realize PhDs were sponsored, so that's the only answer I had. <laughs> and but what about a sponsored PhD? It's like, oh, what? <laughs> yes, look, luckily some PhDs are sponsored, or else yeah. I'm not, not entirely sure how we'd be living. No, um, <laughs> I know it'd be really bad if we found out now that they actually weren't, and then we find out we haven't been getting paid this entire time. <laughs> What happened to the money that I've been spending? I know. I'm just in debt now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've actually been borrowing from a company. A company agreed to loan you money. Imagine, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, you have to go and work, at the work, work back the money that you, you spent at the company. <laughs> I guess that's actually quite, a, that's another way of thinking about it. It's like an investment by a company. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's why that, that is why companies invest because they hope that yeah. either with a PhD or with an NGD, yeah. there will be technology that they can patent and use. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like engineers tend to be paid quite well when they, I mean, maybe not in the first couple of years, but you know, once they're kind of working, yeah. Whereas if you hire a student to do your work for four years, then you save a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that is, well, that is a much more cynical way of looking at things, Chandy. I wasn't going to. It's but, true, it's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, but companies also put money, put money into PhDs and NGDs also to find people as well. It's not just, yeah. it's not just subject, it's also finding the person. So you it's might... Kind of like, yeah, sorry. No, no, go on, go on, Jack. I was going to say it's kind of like their four-year trial. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you have no commitment at the end to hire them, but if they're good, you can go, hey, take a job with us. You already yeah. know you're like us. <laughs> yeah. It's a very much take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned that you're from Sri Lanka. Yes. What is science like in Sri Lanka? You know, how is it, how is it considered? Because in this country, like say specifically a postdoc, for example, mm -hmm. in this country, if you do a postdoc, you'll get jokes. Um, of like, oh, when you're going to get a real job kind of thing or that or people respect you because they it, it's kind of a mixture of that and respect from the fact that they know you know quite a lot. Yeah. Is 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 the opinion in Sri Lanka different? Because you said it was all about the success and how well paid the job is. Yes. Yeah. So it's 
uh, it's a weird one. I think basically because we don't have like a universal way of um, of saying what academic positions are, sort of like academic mm. positions don't mean the same thing across the world. So yeah. here, obviously, being a professor is a big deal. Yeah. Whereas in Sri Lanka, you can be a lecturer without even having a degree. Oh, sorry, PhD. You can have a, you have to have a degree, but not a PhD, um, mm. which is you know quite rare here. So it's it's a little bit confusing, like. For my family, it's confusing about what I do, but in general, um, science is very very well respected. Yeah. Um, really, basically, our education system is kind of geared up for people to succeed and go into really good jobs because mm. without education, it's really hard to move up that ladder. So education is just so big and science just basically is like the, yeah, the, the creme de la creme. So... Mm. In Sri Lanka, it's like quite non, like a, a quite common thing that you either if you're not a doctor, lawyer, or an engineer, then basically like you're not, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> but in, yeah. in that, yeah. that, like the, the science falls within that as well. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, no, they know because I now have kind of a PhD like that. That to them that's in Sri Lanka, yeah, that's a thing. Like people know what that is and yeah. you know how what what that achievement means. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it, I think it actually is kind of more well respected than here because even though they don't know the details of it, they know it's something that is quite difficult. Yeah. Whereas I think here, um, I'm, I'm not saying this is not in science in general, just just for engineering because again, <laughs> coming back to it, because it's not a protected title, um, a lot of people just don't know what it means really. Yeah. And I think, I think academics in general just haven't been getting quite a bad rap recently well i think there's a there's a big kind of i know in america and i think it's here too where engineers specifically like you say they get a fairly bad rep because there's there's the famous example of bill nye who has an engineering degree Mm -hmm. but everyone thinks of him as a science guy and people use the fact that he's got an engineering degree to kind of be like ha you're not a scientist you're lying about all of this yeah do you think it's a big bang theory effect (laughs) Yeah. 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 I swear this wasn't a thing before. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that could definitely be a thing because it is rather insulting when yeah, you think about it. Of, and it, it, it is one of the main jokes in that, that yeah. show is about yeah. Howard. Well, I mean, yeah, and the thing is, like, I mean, physicists, you guys, I don't know how much you guys know about physics, but it's really hard to make money in this country as a physicist. Yeah. Yeah. You have to just, yeah. only, only academics. You, know, you can only be an academic if you do physics, so yeah. Well, yeah. it's on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably that, that jealousy, isn't it? Like, it maybe jealousy is too harsh a term, but it's. I think, yeah, I think, I, think, phys- I think the thing is, like, because of how difficult it is, I think we should respect them more. But I think because of um, the, you know, because of the space program and stuff, like, some people just don't want to spend money on exploration and don't yeah. really want to learn about, like, yeah. Think, you know, about the. There are, yeah, there are people. <laughs> and also because it's also because it's so theoretical, it's like a long way down the line before you can make any profit off exactly. of off of yeah. something. Yeah. I think it's 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 very much kind of in the same way the 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 way Stephen Hawking is he's revered as someone who's a genius, mm. but I think a lot of people don't appreciate the fact that what he did is actually incredibly useful. It's yeah, just yeah, oh, yeah, he was absolutely. a clever man who did clever things, not, yeah. and it's it's almost that that balance where physics and engineering are in the same category where if you're a physicist you're clever and if you're an engineer you're a sellout that's too black and white I that's not yeah. my opinion but yeah. you know I, 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 
I have to say, I have to say, before this, I've never thought of the Big Bang Theory thing. That's just totally made a ton of sense. (laughs) That makes complete sense. It's really interesting. I really (laughs) think it. But also, do do you not think like just in general, people aren't people are just kind of coming. There's there's a very big divide between sort of scientists and the lay people, for lack of a better word. Like, yeah, people don't really. I think maybe it's something along the lines of us calling the Higgs boson the God's particle or something that people just went nah. well, I, <laughs> I, th- I think media plays a part in it as well due to the fact of uh, the, the it's it's the typical thing like with with eggs are eggs good for you you know it's like every two years it gets changed yeah. you know the media <laughs> yeah. reports a story saying no they're actually really bad for your cholesterol and no they're actually really great for you and yeah. i think the the general public get frustrated with that yeah so it's i think it's also partially the media's fault but in actual fact it's the nature of science that things change so and not everyone's gonna do an experiment the right way and not everyone's gonna analyze the data i mean just because we're scientists doesn't mean we're all good scientists but i think that's that's a really important thing about the media and science because it is all about the media reporting because a lot of the time these news stories although they say eggs are good for you the actual research they're talking about said this part of an egg is good yeah, yes. at this stage um, in your life, if you do yes. this, this, and this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and it's like, it's so, because science is so grey, because every paper is just an incremental increase in knowledge, maybe not every paper, but a lot of papers are just that incremental, oh, we think this is true. And the next one is, oh, yeah, we're a little bit more sure that this is true. Mm-hmm. The media can't report it like that. Yes. They have to say, this is black and white, it is good or bad. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's happened so many times as well with science, like science papers. I mean, I'm not going to go into the super contra- controversial papers that, yeah. uh, because we're, we'll all keep it light, but like the, a lighter like, example is like MSG. Mm. People think MSG is really bad for you because one paper a long time ago said it was, and so many have been written since that says actually it's really not. Yeah, yeah. banned in Chinese restaurants, and you can't. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like that's so much misinformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, in general, I think people should think more. I think I think science should be much more prevalent in sort of like in modern day society. Like we should be teaching it far more furiously at schools because people mm-hmm. don't seem to look at information and analyze it. Yeah, it's the there's there's a thing when I went over to the Netherlands, um, where and I was really surprised because I was in the lab at nine o'clock in the morning, and I heard about five f words from the radio, (laughs) and I asked one of the Dutch uh, ladies that worked there, I was like, is this not a a problem? Because in the UK that just wouldn't happen, and she said that in the Netherlands we have this thing called like. I can't remember the word she used, but basically free thinking, where if, right. if you don't want to listen to someone swear, you don't listen to that radio station. Right, okay. And if, and, if, and if you hear something you don't like, you look into it to see whether it's true or not. And it's that kind of, the, the way that that country is taught, the kids in that country are taught to think is so different to how we are taught to think. Yeah. Because yeah. we are taught, learn these facts. Yeah. We're not taught, is this fact true? Mm-hmm. And I think well, that's a big part of it because it doesn't, like you say, we should teach science more and I completely agree with you. But I think it's teaching 
the scientific method almost yes, of yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah you need to question yeah, things the, yeah absolutely and i think yeah. like i think right now we're actually seeing the massive impact that can have mm. on society because like right now there's people around the world protesting the fact that you should stay at home because you might get a virus that will mm. that could kill you and yeah then, and people don't want to like that that it baffles me that yeah and and I think there's a, there's a culture in this country, and it's and it's been it was really obvious when I first came here where being science like doing well in school is not cool, and that kind you know being being naughty and being like acting up is much cooler than being studious, which is just a polar opposite to Sri Lanka. So that was really surprising. But mm. over time, you know, people are telling you not to listen to experts, and that's a really dangerous thing. And I think that's yeah. What's yeah. Happened. Well, it's it, but that is. I think it definitely is a a big thing with regards to how people treat sources of information as well, because yeah. there is so much information out there. Um, people don't necessarily have the tools to to figure out whether you know something is wrong. You know whether the thing mm. that the article they're reading on Goop is a uh, is not particularly accurate you know so yeah. there's there's uh, people just aren't trained and it's, that and way it's not, in our society yeah it's completely not an intelligence thing I, you know none of us are saying that these people are stupid we're saying that no. if you're not given the, the skills and the tools to be able to look into these things you won't be able to find an answer yeah. and yeah. sometimes i'll look into a news article and not be able to find whether it's true or not yeah i mean yeah. the amount of times i've been sort of fooled by news thump articles like what oh no it's <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's yeah it's, i mean everyone can fall for it because you know at the end of the day like you don't have the time sometimes or the resources to like trace back a like an article back mm. to its original owner it's just not possible so yeah i, I almost yeah. think you're then kind of pushed into either believing everything that you see or believing everything you see from, or should I say, believing everything you see from things that you trust just because that's how you've been brought up. Yeah. Or you're brought up to be incredibly cynical and not believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think both are really harmful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Both, are, both are scary and there's no effort. There's no effort put towards getting people out of those ways of thinking yeah it's there there is it's very it's very rare that you see that on tv really which is and and you know like it or not tv is still a huge way to get it's it's a it's the biggest way to get information out to people Uh, and i think that's really great because there are shows like planet earth uh, Blue Planet, mm-hmm. um, shows by Jim Al-Khalili, shows by Brian Cox, David Attenborough, of course, that are so good at informing people and showing them that science is incredible and really yeah. interesting and that you don't have to have a degree to talk about science and to understand science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, there so, any, is there anything on sort of like TV that you guys think is relevant to your topic? Because I find there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, on medicine and there's a lot on um sort of like veterinary sciences and that kind of thing but yeah it doesn't tend to even just tv shows just you know just just like just comedy tv shows that kind of thing it's very little Mm. on science and if there is one it tends to be where people laugh at scientists more than actually yeah yeah well it's it's back to the big bang theory thing again it's like is it 
Yeah, yeah. it's like, is it is it respecting scientists yeah. or is it laughing at them? It's mm. it's it's a weird balance that I, or, yeah. you know. So it's yeah. I think I think you're right. There's not for me, obviously, because I'm a scientist and because I think of it from this way. There's not enough on TV about it, mm-hmm. and I think it's like you said, it's really important. Not just the documentary series, but the comedy series. Yeah. Like there was, there was, um, sorry, sorry, just to be crazy. There you go. I was going to kind of change the topic anyway. There was a TV show called Lab Rats that was out a good few years ago now, and it only had one series, and it was written by Chris Addison of The Thick of It, who's written Veep. You know, it's, he's a good person who wrote a show, but I think because it was about scientists, people didn't want to pay attention to it. Which is, yeah, crazy. And I think that probably has a massive influence on um, the kind of people that get into science. Because yeah. um, it's not, you know, it's not seen as a cool thing. It's not, and, you know, like, it's unbelievable how few women are in sort of engineering and uh, especially like kind of physics-based science-y subjects. Um, yeah. Which is, it, it, there's no reason not to, because luckily in our group, we now have about three or four um, female sort of engineers and in a group uh, of how many uh in about <laughs> in about 40 <laughs> but it's getting bigger we're getting bigger uh, so we have a, we have a professor um we have two professors i think but one professor who recently very recently became a professor and it's so inspiring to have a female that role model that you can look up to and yeah. actually see that yeah women can do it because even though i've been doing it for you know, now nearly 10 years, uh, mm. engineering, I mean, it's, it's really rare that you have someone that you can go, okay, yeah, this is kind of what I want to be, or this is, you know, women can do it, because yeah. the imposter syndrome is so much worse when mm. you're the only person in a group of, you know, however, however many people, and you're the only person, usually of color as well, and mm. also female, it's crazy, yeah. and like, I, I think it's just because it's not that sexy, as a subject but i don't know yeah. why because it's so cool <laughs> and you yeah. Know. yeah i think we were speaking to um lorraine in one of the previous podcasts yeah. um and she if she hadn't had that singular vision from like she said from when she was about six i think mm-hmm. of wanting to do something to do with viruses she was not like a high achiever she you know she said she was kind of not the most academically gifted and she if she didn't have that drive we would have lost another scientist yeah and i think it's a it's a real issue yeah and, and i mean it probably dates back to i mean you, you guys know about alan turing right um, yes of course yeah, so we're from I, the university of manchester champion of course, of course, of course, course. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so gchq came out about maybe like five years ago and basically apologized for the way that Alan Turing was treated and that basically said that if he, um, if they respected him more and then didn't treat him the way that the government treated him, then maybe he, you know, maybe there would have been so much more development in, you know, in that, in that field of research. Mm. And it's the same in, you know, women were not encouraged to pursue these kind of subjects for a really long time. And I think that has a massive backlash that, that we're still kind of trying to recover recover from because yep. you know people just women just don't think that they belong there and they just don't i think they think that they don't find it interesting and i think the reason why they do go into bio, like biology based subjects is because you see that a lot more but you see yeah. other people doing it and it's, mm-hmm. 
you know, it is like, you know, shows like Grey's Anatomy, like it, it makes doctors look really cool. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yes. <laughs> really so, hard to make engineers and chemists mm. look really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely. <laughs> but yeah, that's, wow, that's a um, topic on some quite heavy issues. <laughs> really, but yeah. really important. But like, really, great. really important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you made some really great points. Mm-hmm. So, to kind of take things back to maybe a slightly more light-hearted kind of <laughs> a- angle, like you, you know, you've spoken about your work very passionately about your work and how important it is, and kind of how important it is to get more people, more females, more people of colour into it. What do you like to do outside of work? Oh, that's a question. Um... You know what? That is possibly the most difficult question I ask. <laughs> every time every, every time, time. <laughs> it really is um, I mean I don't know I just dedicate my whole entire life to my work I mean, I'm such a lie so. <laughs> I, I like the pub but I don't think that's the hobby um, you like you like what? the, the pub, pub. The pub. <laughs> trust me that is the most also the most popular answer for that yep. question good <laughs> yep. I'm not alone <laughs> but it's, it's the spending time with people like i know we've spoken about uh who you know is just as important as you know um oh, and yeah. as what you know and that that doesn't nec- that doesn't mean nepotism it doesn't mean if your dad knows dad is an engineer it means just exactly it's collaboration it's talking just yeah. being friends with people mm-hmm. um, yeah no, I, I i'm very very lucky to be in a research group that's kind of full of very like-minded people it's a, like i said it's a huge group and um we do we do we just we're friends more than colleagues really so i yeah i tend to spend a lot of time with them during the week um in the weekend not really i love playing badminton but it's it's a sport that you can't just kind of get out and play yeah <laughs> especially not in a flat in sheffield yeah <laughs> no. um yeah, no, this, this, that question's really made me question my life because I'm not, <laughs> I really don't know what I do. <laughs> well, you've, been, you've been helping my fiancé and I complete a jigsaw, so... Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that's really fun. Um, yeah, I've been trying to do uh, high-intensity training, uh, interval training. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've. Yeah, I think is that is that during is that a quarantine thing that you took up high-intensity yeah. training? I started before and I thought, oh, I'll do it every day for a month and then realised that's really bad for your joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then I got really, uh, when I tried to do it during quarantine, I got really out of breath and then I was like convinced that I had coronavirus. Oh no. <laughs> I like to, I mean, I try to read, um, mm. I like to paint, um, but not really. What do, you, what do you like to read? Um, I really like reading sort of non, non-fiction stuff. Um, so I'm a big fan of John Ronson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I think I've almost read pretty much everything he's written. So what's your favourite John Ronson book? Oh, The Psychopath Test. Oh, yes. good choice. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not sponsored. Um, no, I was, <laughs> no, I was. I was the exact same way when I read that book. I was absolutely nice. obsessed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then, and then, like all the po- political stuff happened, and you're like, oh my god, is everyone a psychopath? No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah um, no. 
reading sapiens at the moment that's quite interesting as well oh by um Oh, I'm not going to say that name. I'm definitely going to offend. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember his name. Pardon? You involved something? No. No. Hold on. I'm, I'm searching it now. It's by Yuval Noah Harari. There we yeah. go. There we go. At, ah. me, at me if you don't like that pronunciation. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the moment, actually, my biggest interest is uh, Candy Crush because they've decided to give you 24 hours of unlimited lives during lockdown. And, oh my okay, what, what level are you on? Oh, That's the big I, question, I, isn't it? I passed 1,500 the other day. Um, wow. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've been playing for a really long time, but I also decided not to get it on my phone because there was a period where I'm, I'm pretty sure I was addicted to it. Don't tell you when I have the tablet. Well, that's that. That shows a very good level of self restraint. I know, I know, and I don't charge it that often. <laughs> <laughs> So, Chandy, thank you very much for talking to us, talking to, talk to us about your life from Sri Lanka to the UK, from kind of liking fixing TVs and washing machines to <laughs> going on to research about nuclear and aerospace. Um, it's a real got, rats to riches story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, much, much more than mine is. So <laughs> much more interesting talking to you about your life. Um, I've got one final question. And it's one that I've asked everyone. Um, yeah. In your inevitable autobiography that yeah. will be written in the future, yeah. um, obviously you've got plenty of years left, but <laughs> if you had to title it now, what would be the title of your autobiography? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, oh, that's... I, mm, <laughs> that's okay, what's, what's yours? Give me some inspiration. <laughs> Right, I think we've had, um, just flicking back through my notebook now, uh, we had a step forward in your own life, wow. we've had make the most of inevitable mistakes, <laughs> we've had um, stunned silence, um, we've had how to try a hand at several careers, <laughs> no, it's been, we've, been, we've had varied answers. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, it'll, oh, it'll have to be it'll have to be along the lines of kind of finding just just kind of going with the flow but, but I've, I've not got anything super eloquent there <laughs> going with the flow works <laughs> well I don't think that's very innovative but <laughs> sure <laughs> it's, we've got plenty of answers of different you know styles yeah it doesn't have to be a pun i've given you 30 seconds to think of it sorry go on josh so, so we did ambush you with it so you know <laughs> I, yeah i am um, i you've not you've also not exactly got the kind of surname that you can rhyme no, with in, a, in a title not, I was not. not I was not going to mention that how about how to avoid working with people colon maybe engineering is for you <laughs> nice yeah
Yeah. I mean, I really think it was one of my main drives because I really didn't think I want to. How to not have a person facing role, a, a yeah. public facing role. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Lovely. Wait, well, so then you've got, got me thinking. You got me thinking about machine learning puns now. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> is is this a cat? <laughs> when is cat not a dog? <laughs> when is a cat not a cat? By Chandy Wickmarachi. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. We get. We got Perfect. that. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, thank you very very much, Chandy, for joining us. And that is kind of the end thank of the the. The, the end of, of the podcast, the end of, of the everything. series. The end of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the end of the series. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time on the flip side. <laughs>